This episode of the Insurance Coffee House is sponsored by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies and brokers in the UK and across the United States. Visit insurance-search.com for more details. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House Global InsureTech Series. I'm Nick Hoadley, and each week you can join me as I interview leading InsureTech executives from around the world. We will be learning about the different InsureTech technologies and finding out how they can be a benefit to both insurance brokers and carriers when it comes to delivering for your customers. We'll also be learning about the different career opportunities available to insurance leaders within the InsureTech space and what benefits that can give to your career. I hope you enjoy the show. Today, I am really delighted to be joined by Benjamin Hay, who is the co-founder and COO at Collective Benefits, who are an international insurtech business. And he joins us now based in London. Welcome to the show, Benjamin. Thanks so much, Nick. Pleasure to be here. Benjamin, it's great to have you on the show today. I'm really looking forward to hearing about the great work you're doing there at Collective Benefit. Before we start, though, could I ask you to share with our listeners a little bit more about your background and what's led to you co-founding the business? And as we are in the insurance coffee house today, if you could give us your go-to coffee of choice in the morning. Sure, no problem. So well, let's start the go-to coffee of choice. My go-to yeah. coffee of choice is a uh, embarrassingly an oat milk cappuccino. Um, <laughs> occasionally, you know, a decaf, but yeah, one of those things where you ask for it, people look at you like you've got no coffee aficionado taste. Well. But, <laughs> but there we go. Absolutely. What brought me to to insurance? So I think if you'd asked me, you know, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, if I'd ever end up working in insurance, I would have, I would have probably laughed and said, absolutely not, no, never. My background <laughs> is, is is not in insurance. I had, I have what someone once described as a, an archipelago career, where I've moved from different islands to different islands, doing different things. But they've all been united by the fact that I try to do things which are purpose driven and trying to really make a difference for others. So I, I, I'm a recovering lawyer. First 10 years of my career were, were practicing as a barrister in London, dealing with a whole range of different cases, inquiries, inquests, and stuff like that, which, which I love. But we were just talking about before we came on air, but you know, the hours are long. It was quite isolating. I spent a lot of time on my own. And, and ultimately, I wanted to have, I think, a bigger impact than mm. I could, could mm. as, a, as mm. a lawyer and found myself moving to Virgin Group where I worked for six years for the Branson's Family Charitable Foundation, Virgin Unite, which was a wonderful experience, working with some amazing people, some amazing partners, international, dealing with significant problems, whether that was climate change, future of work, you name it, we covered it. The Branson family are not short of ambition and uh, and interest. So it was was a wonderful experience, spent really six happy years there, but decided to take some time off, mainly because I had a young family. And my plan was originally to take six months off and just spend some time with the family. And three weeks into that time off, I got introduced to my now business partner, Anthony Bieden, who is a a persuasive and compelling individual. Uh, And he had this idea around really trying to transform financial wellness for independent workers. And that was the, the genesis of Collective. Awesome. Thank you so much for that, Benjamin. It sounds like one of the largest transitions was actually probably moving from being a barrister into working for the Virgin Group. Do you think that helped stand you in good stead for your opportunities going forward for that? You were sort of quite open to a range of different 
ideas rather than once you'd made that move from from the law background which i'm sure many people in the legal industry have you know are on a certain track do you, do you think that sort of opened you up to other opportunities and different avenues yeah absolutely i mean i think yeah, there, there are lots of amazing things about working for a business like Virgin. I mean, just mm-hmm. in terms of how that business is built and the culture and the way they think about people and purpose and really trying to to build a, an organization that people are proud to be part of. Certainly, that was you know a, a huge learning curve for me and made me really think about how you build a business. And that's certainly something that we're doing at Collective. Mm-hmm. But also, I think more importantly, how you think about solving social problems through commercial solutions. And you know, at, at the heart of every Virgin business, that's something that Virgin does. And certainly from a, a foundation and social impact point of view, that was something that we were focused on. So it wasn't just about pure philanthropy and, and pure charity, but really how do you take a, an amazing commercial organization like Virgin to really try and challenge and solve some some significant social, environmental, and economic problems? And having that breadth of experience was certainly something which I took into I took into collective. Awesome. I'm sure you did. Or oh, you seem to be having a, a great time over there, the folks at Virgin. So I'm sure that's something that you 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 breathe into your business now. If we can move on to that, Benjamin, would you mind giving our listeners a bit of a, a snapshot of where the business is at the moment and what your plans are with the business over the next couple of years? Sure, absolutely. So, so at Collective, we're, we're focusing on solving the problem of, of really financial wellness for independent workers. More and more people are going to work independently. Certainly, we've seen that over, over the pandemic. And that's whether they are freelancers, gig workers, zero-hour contractors. They have a fundamentally different employment relationship to certainly an employment relationship I, I had at Virgin or, or that other people have had in, in a more corporate traditional workforce. But those people, you know, it comes at a cost and it comes at a cost of lacking the financial protections and security which employment brings. So you don't have sick pay, you don't have family leave, you don't have a pension, all these sort of financial products and services that independent workers are excluded from. And so we're all very much on a mission to fix that. We launched the business last year. I'm allergic to the phrase startup. I think there's a point where you're no longer starting up a business, but we, we are an early stage business, but we, we've met, made some good strides over the, over the last 12 to 15 months. So we now um, support over 200,000 independent workers across 18 countries. Right. And we work with some of the largest and most forward-thinking on-demand platforms that have developed over the last few years from, from Silicon Valley and beyond. So how does the product work and how has that been developed over your time there? Yeah, so we, we, we started, uh, I think there are, there are sort of two elements to the product, broadly speaking. So there are the financial products, which we have developed, and then there's a digital product through which we deliver it. We started with insurance, you know, uh, independent workers have known risks, whether that's uh, sickness, accidents, injuries, etc. And, and the best way to, to solve a known risk is to underwrite it. And so insurance is a, it was a fantastic product for us to, to start with. And so we provide a, a range of income protection products, sick and injury pay, accident pay, family leave, maternity leave, as well as a bunch of unregulated products like mental health support, which is so required. And we deliver those digitally to on-demand workers. We predominantly partner with on-demand platforms so people like TaskRabbit, people like Walt, um, who who pr- purchase those uh, benefits and, and insurances on behalf of their independent workers, partly because it's frankly the right thing to do, but partly because there is a war for independent talent out there. Uh, yeah. And so they are using that to attract, engage and retain mm-hmm. the very best people. Fantastic. So it's the platforms themselves who are investing in the benefits for their, their workers rather than it being direct to an independent single-use contractor. What are those benefits? You just sort of highlighted 
one of those there, sort of the competitiveness in, in trying to bring those people on. What are the overall benefits for, for those platforms and and to the eventual policyholders themselves? Yeah, so so from a, from a platform perspective, A, we provide, and it links to the individual worker, we provide benefits which are designed for this audience of independent workers. Independent workers don't just work for one organisation. You know, they work, they have multiple professional partners who they work with. And so we we enable the provision of insurance, whether that's sick pay, injury pay, accident pay, whether that's mental health support, health insurance. We enable that to be provided to that worker based on the work they are doing for that platform. And so the platform is able to purchase and contribute to those benefits on behalf of the independent workers. But also, I think what's important is that we platforms want to reward and engage their best workers. And one of the ways that we're able to do that is by setting criteria or thresholds for, for benefits to be unlocked for those workers. Yeah. And so that, in, you know, in the same way, it, it encourages people to work more for others and to be more engaged with a particular platform. That's something which we're able to provide as a solution. Awesome. Thank you, Benjamin. It sounds incredibly innovative. And yeah, as the gig economy evolves, you are seeing more and more people moving from um, a traditional sort of pay as you earn um, employment contract moving into the gig economy. And they were probably used to having a lot of those benefits previously. Is that something that you see growing and growing over the next few years? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's undoubtedly the case. You know, the reality is that is that digital solutions technology have enabled a very a transformation in the way in which we work. Mm-hmm. Whether that's through things like you know Zoom, you know, in terms of more corporate, you know, we said we said pandemic, but also in terms of your ability to find and source work. So if you ever get into a, a ride-hailing cab like an Uber, you're if you speak to that driver, they're not just working on Uber; they're working on Bolt, they're working on Ola, they're working on Free Now. So people work across multiple platforms, and so the the, the nature of their relationship with work and, and the providers of work has changed. And so similarly, what we haven't seen, however, is the engagement and benefit solutions changing to keep up with this new workforce you know traditional employee insurance protections and benefits you know really haven't fundamentally changed since since the first world war you know people came back that came back from the first world war they went to work in factories and they started to get a lever of cover and protection support from their employers and that has has increased and changed a little bit over time but the way in which they're offered a static they're direct they're to, to mm-hmm. between employer and individual and in reality we have a whole new workforce who, who want to work more flexibly who want to work more independently but are increasingly excluded from the a financial ecosystem of of protections and um, whether that's insurance whether that's mortgages whatever else, whether that's savings, pensions, et cetera, which is not suitable for this demographic. And, and as more and more people go into that area, that's a problem we're solving. Absolutely. So moving forward now, I'd love to get your opinion on how you see the insurance market evolving. If we potentially, if we look at protection, the benefits that you you provide there, how do you see the market evolving and what companies are going to be successful? What companies are going to have to do and adapt to be successful in these times? Yeah, I think there are there are probably three things I would think about there. So first of all, I think one is around actually how do you underwrite this risk properly? This is a new demographic working in a different way where the data sets are poor. And we're in a fortunate position now of starting to aggregate and acquire considerable data around who these individuals are, how they work, where they work, how they get paid, mm. which enables a much better underwriting of that risk. 
Secondly, I think that it's about how you distribute and reach this audience. So, you know, the reality is, is that these are people who are hard to reach. And so being able to, to think about different ways of distribution to reach this particular demographic is increasingly important. You know, it, it is not surprising that of the over 6 million people in the UK who currently work in a self-employed or independent way, 96% of them don't have any income protection insurance. Wow. You know, they can't be reached. They don't know how to purchase it. They don't know where to get it from. And if they can get it, it's, it's financially, it's, it's very challenging for them to afford. So distribution, I think, is an area which we are, we're particularly focused on how do we reach this audience and, mm. and being solely focused on that audience place that puts us well-placed progress. But then thirdly, it's really like, what, how does that benefit work? Because really what, you know, as, I've, as I've been alluding to, people work across multiple platforms and also have other jobs, jobs as well. And so being able to provide fractional insurance cover is something which is going to be increasingly important. How do people platforms and people contribute their fair share to ensuring that individual is protected. You know, we're already seeing that. So Zigo, well-known in short tech and mobility space, providing that fractional insurance cover for when people are working on a job from a mobility perspective. Yep. We're solving that in an, ad- in an adjacent area. Absolutely. That brings us very nicely on now to our espresso round. The questions are, are short, sharp and straight to the point. Benjamin, I know you like your, your oat milk cappuccino. Are you, are you ready for something stronger now? Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not used to that, that double hit, but let's see how we go. (laughs) Let's see how we get on. The espresso round. Benjamin, what percentage of your team there are from an insurance background compared to a non-insurance background? Yes, I would say 20% of the team um, come from an insurance background um, and or financial service background, whether that's working for large carriers. So we have people who have worked for for Zurich and others, whether that's working in insurance and tech startups. So our our chief underwriting officer, Russell, was formerly director of insurance across EMEA for Uber, or whether that's working in financial consultancy. So we have people who worked in the insurance team on the Wyman. So yeah, we do have a small and mighty group of insurance experts within the business. Great. And what value do you see as those insurance experts or high-performing insurance individuals can add to the 80, the, the other 80% who might be you know, from a more commercial background, more tech background? What can those sort of industry experts bring to the business? Yeah, look, insurance is one of those areas where actually I think it, it, if you haven't worked it, it seems hugely confusing. There are, you know, all sorts of ways in which insurance is underwritten, the processes, the way the Lloyd's market work, which people are unfamiliar with. And so bring those expertise into the organization, be able to mirror it with people who who haven't come from insurance background, I think enables a great diversity of thinking. So really, there's the basics and understanding of, of how insurance works, but then then that gets challenged and it gets challenged by the other 80% and say, well, why don't we try it this way? Or how can it be done this way? And I think, you know, the insurance expertise we have in the business are people who are incredibly open-minded and are able to understand the traditional way in which things work, but also think about new ways in which things could work as well. And how do you find their transition? I mean, obviously, I imagine the guys who have been been in insurance roles at places like Uber and other fast-paced tech companies, probably like Ducks to Water. But how do you find it for the guys who come in from that big corporate? Is is that an experience that they, you know, they really thrive upon and, you know, they just enjoy the, the new sort of fast way of working? Yeah, I think I think pace is definitely the biggest change for most people. Yeah. You know, large insurers are not known for, for moving at pace. And as an early stage business, moving fast speed is incredibly important to our success. And so we need to move fast. And so pace is the, is is I think an area which they find exciting and exhilarating. Mm-hmm. 
that pace obviously comes with ambiguity and so things are perhaps less structured than they may well be used to but also i think you know the reality is that enables them to come in and really take ownership of something and drive the direction without a large corporate structure behind it yeah absolutely so in terms of personalities what personalities are you are you looking for that certainly we look for people who are passionate you know we want mm. people who are missionaries who believe in what we're doing and the mission we're on they're not just mercenaries that's really important to us we want people who can take great ownership yeah you know who want to be you know have their neck on the line but because they're, they're having a significant impact as well and mm. so combining i think that purpose driven missionary approach with people who want to have a significant impact is really what we're looking for. Uh, you know, we're not looking for people who just want to be a, you know, a small cog in a, in a growing wheel. Yeah, fantastic. And what would you then say would be the opportunity for those particular individuals in working for a business like yours? Well, I think that's the most exciting thing about business like us. You know, there is a huge opportunity to fix the protection gap and financial wellness gap for a a rapidly growing significant demographic in society it's a real really greenfield opportunity yeah. for someone to to come in and make a significant difference and if you're excited about that and you want to do something different and you want to try and make a you know a fundamentally change society then we're a great place to do that if that's not for you then we're not for you right you know absolutely and i can certainly hear the passion with which you talk about not just the business, but the mission that, that you guys are on there. And I, I think that's so important. We obviously work with a lot of insurance talent, a lot of senior insurance talent, maybe moving from a large corporate to a fast base insurtech business. And I think the key thing is they've got to be very much passionate about what you're looking to achieve, the product and the, the benefits involved there. And it's not just moving like from one insurance company to another when things might be done slightly different or the products might yeah, be slightly different. I completely agree. Yeah, the, the overwhelming reason why people join us is is the ability to have a social impact. Yeah. You know, that's you know, we we recently conducted a you know, sort of employee engagement survey and, and and that is top of the list. And it's the top of the list when we're interviewing people as to why they've applied and it's the top of the list as, as to, for people as to why they accepted. Yeah, I think you know we're we're increasingly seeing that people want to make a real difference in 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 through their work and a real contribution to society in their work. And you know, we offer, I think, a, a rare but important blend of you know, a commercially great opportunity to build something alongside having a real tangible social impact. And that's what's exciting about being part of Collective. And that's why I love it. Fantastic. Thank you, Benjamin. Final question, the espresso round. Now, if there are any insurance executives or leaders out there who are considering that switch to an insure tech, what would your advice be to them now? What, what should they be doing to prepare themselves to make that change? I think above all, I think it's important to really understand what it's like to work in, a, in an early stage or growth business. You know, it is a very different environment to work. And I think, you know, yes, you've got to be excited about the opportunity and yes, you've got to be excited about the role, but you also need to be realistic about the way in which, you know, how you're going to work and what's going to be expected of you. And so really understanding what that means, I think is important. You know, you're going to need to be able to work at pace. You're going to need to be able to work at ambiguity. You're going to need to realize that every six months, your business is going to feel like a very different business with a very different organization with lots of new people joining on a, you know, on a, on a rapid basis because that's the nature of growing and scaling quite quickly. And if you're excited about that and you're excited about you know, that level of, to some extent, uncertainty and, and unpredictability, then that's a great place to be. But if that's not for you and you like things which are a bit more consistent, then yeah. 
you should probably stay where you are. But I, I think that's the reality of being an insurtech. Benjamin, I'm excited about the opportunity. So I'm sure I'm you sure I'll join us next. Yeah, well, maybe I will. We'll have a we'll have a chat off. We'll have a chat off air. You know, your enthusiasm and your and your passion for it, I think it, it just makes it such a great opportunity and it sounds like a great environment to be working in. So I'm sure a lot of our listeners will be uh listening with with particular interest. Benjamin, we're we're almost at the end of our time today. Before we leave, do you have one piece of closing advice for our listeners out there and for any who would like to reach out to you after show what would be the best way of doing that sure advice is always one of those things which you i think you should certainly listen to advice my advice is always listen to advice but always make up your own mind no one can decide things for you you've got to decide what's right for you and, and where you head and where you go and sometimes just take a chance you know even if, if it, it even if everyone's telling you it's not the right thing to do if you think it is, you should just get on and do it. Life is too short for regrets, right? I think there are about multiple bits of advice all, all thrown in there all together. <laughs> yeah. um, Got three for the price of one there. There you go. Never, never, never undersell. You can tell um, you're not a barrister anymore, giving three pieces of advice. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'm going to charge you for it later. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, if anyone wants to get in touch with me, please do. You can find me on LinkedIn or you can send me an email, benjamin at collectivebenefits.com always happy to have a conversation always happy to speak to people you know i think one of the things i've always been grateful for in my career is people spending the time to to speak to me and share their experiences with me and Mm -hmm. i'm always happy to do that for others fantastic benjamin i I think that's that's great and we'll certainly post your contact details in the show notes so people can reach out to you and i'm sure as well people would potentially be interested in, in in speaking to you about opportunities that you have there so thank you so much for your time today benjamin really enjoyed having you on the show and it's been great to hear all about collective benefits today thanks so much Dick. great pleasure and yeah love chatting to you thank you so much thank you so much and to all the insure tech and insurance leaders out there wherever you're listening in the world we thank you for listening today and i'm sure you would have gained a lot of great insights and valuable advice from benjamin today if you did enjoy the show please remember to download and subscribe so that you receive each one of our podcasts into your app each week And until next time, I've been Nick Hoadley. This has been the Insurance Coffee House Global InsureTech Series. Take care. You've been listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.